Hello and welcome from Education Technology in conjunction with the University of Huddersfield and D2L. We're coming to you live today from the University of Huddersfield. So let me introduce you to the five panellists that I've got with us who are going to be talking to us about the ways in which a new VLE system has transformed the education here at Huddersfield. So let's start off. Got Sophie down at the end. Sophie is a Senior Success Manager at D2L. Next to her, we've got John Allport, who is a Professor of Automotive Engineering here at the University. Next to him, we've got Sue Foley, who is an academic developer here at the University. And next to her, I'll introduce you to you together. We've got Kay Smith and we've got Sarah Swift, who are both lecturers at Business School. So, um, Sophie, maybe you could kick us off and just give us a little bit of an introduction to D2L and to Brightspace, which is the, the technology we're talking about today. Yeah, of course. Um, so no need for me to introduce it to you guys. Um, but so uh, D2L, D2L is the purveyor of Brightspace. We're known as Desire to Learn as well. Um, and we're actually a Canadian company um, and we're still founder-led. Our CEO, John Baker, was given a project in school at the University of Waterloo to uh, build something that transforms uh, the world. And he decided that the best thing to transform the world was education. And uh, it is still our kind of company aim to transform the way the world learns. Uh, in terms of kind of Europe, we've actually had a kind of fairly new team in Europe for the last, ooh, since 2015. And we've grown hugely as a team and in terms of our customer base, um, which has been so great to bring you guys on board during that. And in terms of why our customer base uh, has grown, probably the technology itself. So Brightspace is an incredibly easy to use system. It's entirely mobile responsive. And there are loads of things kind of under the hood, under the tech stack, which means that we're able to respond to the kind of changing needs of the industry pretty quickly. Secondly, and kind of one of the biggest things is that we're actually a technology first, well, teaching and learning first and technology second mm -hmm. company. Our main aim is to help with the teaching and learning. And then the technology is just an added bonus, really. Um, and then third is, is partnership. And that's largely why I'm here today representing D12. Um, so as customer success, we work really closely with our customers to ensure that we can help them achieve their educational vision and actually track our progress towards that as well. And so I've been working really closely with the University of Huddersfield since they started their implementation about two years ago and continue working with actually everyone here um, to help them grow their usage of Brightspace moving forward. Um, so, so if I'll come to you first and you can kick us off, could you give us a bit of a, a, a kind of a description and explanation of, as to the university and the demographic of the students here? And then could you also tell us a little bit about the university's unique approach as it moved across to a new VLE system and, and why the students you have here informed that transformation? Yeah, certainly. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the University of Huddersfield is a um, university based in the north of England. Mm -hmm. um, it's in Yorkshire, um, sort of between Leeds and Manchester, slightly nearer to Leeds. Um, and we're a post-1992 university, which means um, we used to be a poly before 1992. Um, and we've got a very diverse student body. Mm. We have about 18, just over 18,000 students and over, just over 1,000 academic staff in terms of size. Um, and our student body, uh, as I said, they're very diverse. We've got a large number of mature students, a large number of international students. But I think what makes our university different from a lot of others is that we have a very high proportion of what we call commuter students, mm -hmm. which are students who live in the parental home and commute into university. And whereas some of those might be quite local, a lot of those actually commute quite a long way um, from the surrounding cities like Bradford and Leeds mm. into university. So they don't spend a lot of time on campus other than attending their classes. So we do have a, a very sort of unique uh, student body. 
Um, so we're a university that prides itself in, in really good teaching and learning. And so because of that, we review our systems and our teaching and learning, you know, that support our teaching and learning um, every few years. And about three years ago, we reviewed our VLE and decided that there was other products out there that may do a good or better job than the one mm. that we had currently. Um, so we did a massive sort of procurement process and in the end we picked Brightspace um, and that was based on a very rigorous and thorough uh, procurement um, and we picked Brightspace because of the functionality it offered and mainly because of the usability for both staff and students in mm. terms of how easy and user-friendly it was. So we did that about sort of two, three years ago. Um, and when we bought the VLE, we decided that because we had to move from one VLE to another, it was a big change for everyone, mm. uh, that the approach we would take is not one of just taking something out of the old system and sticking it in the new and teaching people how to use it, but would use the opportunity in that move um, to transform our teaching and learning mm. and really think about what we were doing and how we were doing it. Um, so what we asked people to do, uh, so we did this in a, a number of ways, and one of the things we asked people to do was to build their modules from scratch. So the idea, we moved away from the idea of just a migration and used the sort of terminology transformation instead of migration. So we asked people to build their modules from scratch. So even though the functionality existed to remove the old content and just move it across to Brightspace and then tidy it up, um, we decided to ask uh, staff to start from scratch so they can have a really good rethink about all their teaching materials and the, w the way in which they taught uh, their modules. Um, so at the very least, we expected people just to have a good clear out, a good mm -hmm. review of what should go in there, rather than just churning from one year to the next over the same materials. So that was the very least. We also offered staff planning workshops uh, before they moved over to the, to the VLE to actually just get together in course teams away from a computer and really rethink uh, or take the opportunity to think about what they wanted to do in that transformation. So did they want to change the pedagogic approach? Did they want to put some new consistencies in or, or something to change the, the student experience? So we, we facilitated, we produced these facilitated workshops. Um, so that was another way we did it. And then the final way was that we um, advertised some um, advanced development retreats, okay. um, which were two days off-site away from the university, two solid days to create something new. And we asked people to apply um, to be a part of that uh, sort of um, system. And um, they had to come up with something different um, to, to transform their teaching and learning. And what we provided them was these two days away and lots of support. So we had pedagogic support, technical support, we had Brightspace, we had Sophie mm -hmm. there um, at those sessions, which was really helpful. Uh, and they had the two days dedicated to actually transform something. So I'm going to stop there to yeah, yeah. the people that are going to talk now are people that came on those retreats and actually did something to transform. Well, I was just going to come and ask you two, actually, Sarah and Kate. Obviously, Sue's given us a, an oversight of how the university supported staff in this transformation. When you were asked to engage in that process, what key decisions and steps did you take in terms of utilising this new VLE and how you were going to change your, your education um, as a result of it? Yeah, so we're both um, quite heavily involved with the first year programme of the Accountancy and Finance degree. The Accountancy and Finance degree has professional accreditation with the accountants of professional bodies. And that means that our students have to spend a lot of time preparing for exams, which has affected our retention and achievement in the past. Mm. So we decided that we would use this transformation to try and improve retention and achievement and engagement for our first year students. So mm. we put a number of different things in place on um, 
really on two main modules, accountancy and organisations and management and cost accounting to try and improve that achievement and retention mm. and engagement right from the very beginning of the degree programme. Mm. So I worked on accountancy and organisations. It's a skills module to try and develop the students' transferable skills right from the very beginning of the degree programme. In the past, they'd put together a paper portfolio of evidence of their transferable skills. We have between 100 and 150 students, which meant that at the end of the year, I'd got a tower of portfolios <laughs> paper, under yeah. my desk. And last year, um, we did it electronically using Brightspace. So we used the e-portfolio function on Brightspace. Mm. The students were able to put together their electronic skills, mm. um, their e electronic evidence throughout the year, collect it together in their e-portfolio, and then use a presentation function of e-portfolio to bring it all together and to submit to me. Mm. That made it much easier for me in the marking process in yeah. that um, I could have my screens on my desk with the portfolio on one screen, feedback sheet on the other, and it was a much more mm. efficient way for me as well to, to mark. So it was more efficient for the students in terms of putting their evidence together. It was also much better for me in terms of the assessment process. Mm. And Sarah, in terms of your modules, how did you change the way in which you went about things? Yes, yeah, so my module is the management and cost accounting one, which has its links to professional accreditation. So we are constrained with the assessments that we do. So one of the assessments that the students take is a multiple choice assessment. And previously, we had spent time in class uh, doing practice questions and giving feedback on that. But as Sue said, it was an opportunity to think about how we used the time that we have available and the new resources. And Brightspace gave this opportunity with the quiz facility to think differently about how we did that element of the module. So Kay and I went on the, one of the retreats. We spent the dedicated time building up a, an extensive question library mm. so that we were able to access um, this new facility to be able to, instead of spending time in class uh, taking these quizzes, that the students would be able to access these at any point during the week. We have a huge number of commuter students on our course, so they spend a lot of time coming in and out of university. They have other commitments, which mean that sometimes their study times aren't necessarily the traditional times that we'd be expecting. So it gave us the opportunity to create this resource that they could access at any time, at any place. Mm. So we built an extensive question library. We built up topic quizzes, a number of 20 different topic quizzes for the things that they will study across the first year. Mm. So each week after we've gone through material in class, they have the opportunity to reinforce those key concepts by undertaking a quiz. And as time goes across the term, we also built in a number of midterm and end term quizzes to um, bring together everything that they had learned. We use the extra functionality on Brightspace, such as the awards facility, mm -hmm. to try and encourage engagement with this new way of attempting these questions. So we built some badges that gave them an award every time that they'd got enough to pass the test and to encourage them to take it again. We offered additional awards where they could get other badges for improving their performance as well. So the reporting facility on Brightspace means that uh, as tutors, we can see very easily who is engaging with this mm -hmm. and how often, and also the areas that they find easy and the areas that they're finding challenging. Mm. So this means that we can now target the time that we spend in class more effectively, more efficiently on the areas which the students need the additional support on. Yeah. 
So it's been very helpful for all, having an impact on the achievement of the students. Mm. The test results last year saw, saw a big improvement than the previous year mm. um, because of the repeated use of Brightspace mm. and the quiz facility. So it meant that they can go over key concepts time and time again. It generates new questions each time that constantly they take the test, them. constantly yeah. refreshing. So you can't learn the answers A, you have to know what the key the terms are, the you have course. to know the key concepts to be able yeah. to answer those with those constantly refreshing. And it means that they can spend five, ten minutes on their commute, having a go at a short quiz, mm -hmm. or they can put uh, time aside and do one of the longer quizzes that links in for the time yeah. for the assessment that they're actually going to take at the end of the year. Yeah. So it was just an alternative way to try and engage them and with mm. the reporting facilities we can see who's taking advantage of that and who's not. Mm -hmm. It means us as tutors can see who we need to focus our attention mm -hmm. on and also, you know, who's doing really well and encourage yeah. and reinforce that as well. So, John, I mean, I know that you've used Brightspace in a slightly different way. Do you mind going through and explaining to us how using the new VLE system has impacted your teaching and on your students? Sure. Um, what I was looking for, I've come into the university after many years in industry and mm -hmm. uh, I've been looking for what what is the end product we require from the students yeah and it's not necessarily just knowing the subject it's understanding it mm -hmm. and being able to apply it particularly in engineering so I've tried to use Brightspace to encourage understanding of what I'm trying to teach rather than just remembering it so that's why I've used a, a flipped classroom approach. So I've taken the time that we would normally use for delivery of material in a, in a lecture, for example, and using that now for enhancing the understanding of the subject for the students by using the VLE to actually deliver the material beforehand mm -hmm. in a guided way and, and using the technology's um, facilities to actually lead the students through the process that I actually want them to follow. So we actually put break the subject down into seven different topics. For each topic, there is a range of materials available, and it might be videos, it might be papers, it might be um, you know, magazine articles, websites. Mm. Uh, bear in mind that this is a vehicle dynamics course. Uh, I even have things from Top Gear on there. <laughs> yeah, it's anything that will persuade the students to actually engage with the material and read through it. And because it's all in one place, it's a bit like the old library system. When you, when you had to go to the library to look up a paper and read it, you tend to read the paper before it, the paper after it in a journal, and mm -hmm. not just the little bit that you were after. Mm -hmm. So it gets away from that following the Google search engine that you just read the little bit that you're after. Yeah. So it's reading around the subject as well. And I use guided questions to get the students to write notes, which become their revision notes, on what they've been reading about. Okay. So ask them a series of questions which guide them through what I want them to know about the subject. And they'll write those 200 to 500 words notes on, on each bit of these questions. They then post those to their e-portfolio. Mm -hmm. And they can also put into their e-portfolio any other useful bits of information that they found related to that. So it keeps it all together in a nice package that they can then take away with them afterwards. Mm -hmm. And once they've submitted that, 
they then get released a survey. And that survey asks them, what are the three areas that we just covered in this topic which you least understand? They will then put in their answers to that, highlight the three areas, and that then comes together, it's correlated as a, a, a re report in the survey, which comes to me, and I can look across that. And if, if I've got sort of a, an even spread of, you know, everybody's got the reasonable idea about everything, I can use then the contact time to get the students to discuss the subject and, and use peer learning mm. so that they can actually um, one can explain to the others in their own words how they interpret what they've been learning. Mm -hmm. Gives me a, an advantage there in that the students can learn from each other but also I can check that they've actually understood it properly. The counter to that is if I get one big spike in this results mm -hmm. that means nobody's understood this particular <laughs> part of the topic then I can prepare something up front and go and actually deliver something in more detail or explain in more detail to them about that particular subject. Yeah. And then at the end of everything, once we've had the, the, the contact period, the students then go away and they've then got similar to, to what we're doing in the business school with the quizzes, but we have a, a an end of topic quiz which is actually assessed, um, which forms part of their, their overall mark for the module which again is from a random set of questions. So okay. they, they're given questions, it's an open book exam, so they can use any of the notes they've prepared, they can use any of the materials that's available, but they've got a limited amount of time. Mm -hmm. So they've got to have developed some understanding to be able to answer it in time. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, they, if they've done it, then answering it in that time is easy. Mm -hmm. So they, they find it's, it's a lot less stressful in terms of having to revise, having to worry about exams, there are no exams in the module. Mm. And so the students engage far more with it and they can, they actually do develop that understanding mm. and they find it much, much better way to learn. And you've had some quite positive feedback from you in yeah, terms of you know, students I, that I, have found this. I taught this module using the traditional uh, lecture and exam method previously right. and we had you know, reasonable numbers of either low marks or, or even failures on, on the courses. And it's a very uh, mathematical, technical course. Yeah. Um, but I had two of the students who'd failed previously under the old method, mm. actually retook the module under the new method. And they did really well at that. Right. And it wasn't just that they, it was the second time they'd looked at the material because the material had been completely updated. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't sort of remember what they'd done the previous year and apply it necessarily mm -hmm. to the, it was developing that understanding and actually getting them to, to actually know the material and, and understand what it was all about. Mm -hmm. And they found it much, much easier to do that and also got marks, much higher marks because they were passing the yeah. module. So we, we didn't have anybody fail on, on the module last year. Mm -hmm. We're only again this year under the same format and it's, because Sarah and Kay, you've had some very good feedback in terms of and, and quite clear links between students using uh, Brightspace and the results that they're getting. Could you talk us through some of the, the results that you found? 
Yeah, the students like the immediate feedback that they get from the quizzes because there's the opportunity to build in feedback for if you got the answer right or if you got the answer wrong, what your next steps are. And the students like that to be able to understand what they need to do differently for next time. They also like to see that they their progress with the badges, that they can see how they're improving over time and that they keep going back and using them time and time again. So the record's 14 for one quiz for somebody using that. 14 times. 14 times uh, going back in there because it's different questions every time yeah. it's so they get totally it gets new. new questions to yeah. be able to do and reinforcing their confidence in the subject as well so they like that that they can see their progress mm. and they can see their badges for how they're doing it also lets them tick off their progress so they can see which quizzes they've actually completed and which they still need to be going through and there is a very strong link between use of the quizzes and the marks that they're actually getting on okay. final assessment um, and this last academic year I've extended the quiz facility into another module that I have and they've taken a similar approach with the quizzes mm. and those that just before Christmas those that took the test that hadn't used the quizzes performed far worse than those who had been using that to mm. reinforce their understanding. And how do you feel that e-portfolios have impacted on students and their learning? I think the the big thing is that it's made the it's made the collection of the evidence much more interesting in terms mm. of a, a skills module. In, and easier for the students in collecting the evidence together electronically. But I think the big thing as well for both Sarah and myself is that we set out to try and improve engagement mm -hmm. and we can be checking whether students are engaged or not. Because of the facilities on Brightspace, we can see which students have actually logged on to the module on a regular basis. And if they're not logging on, we can use our um, intelligent agents to send them emails, to ask them to contact us to tell us why they're not engaging yeah. with that process. And we can also send emails to the students who are engaging, congratulating them mm -hmm. for the work that they're doing on the module. So it's not just what it's given to the students, but it's the data that it's given us yeah. to try and encourage engagement on, on both modules. Mm. And so in terms of, uh, obviously it's, been, it's had transformative effects, what do you think um, Brightspace has meant for teachers and lecturers here? And what do you think it means for the, the institution as a whole, moving over to yeah. this new data system? Well, as I say, as I said before, the, just the, ch the move over gave everybody a chance to rethink start fresh. and start fresh, so to, to do things. Um, a lot of people took advantage of these, including these people here. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody did. Uh, for some people, we recognised that just learning a new system was difficult enough mm. and, and time consuming enough for them. Um, so what we're trying to do is to, to lift them um, up, up a little bit by offering them staff development sessions, supportive sessions. I run a workshop called the Module Enhancement Workshop that allows people just to come along and learn a little bit more about the extra functionality of Brightspace that we didn't have in the previous VLE. Things such as the awards, the, the intelligent agents, etc., to actually lift those. And then, in terms of the organisation as a whole, it enabled us to rethink how we wanted to present the VLE and how we wanted to use it for students and how we wanted to improve their experience. Mm. So, we've put in place things like a VLE policy and a strategy. Um, we've got really clear outlines of what we expect on every module um, whose responsibility it is to keep that updated and we also have a clear expectation on staff that they do do something to improve that each year okay. so we're hoping that people in for example appraisals will just have those discussions about what they're going to do this year mm. in terms of making those improvements 
and we were very lucky as a university to have um, senior management buy-in right from the beginning, which also helped move things along because obviously if you get the buy-in from the senior management, things happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and, and that, that, that was a key thing. And then another key thing sort of um, has been the relationship with Brightspace and that we feel right from the beginning we've had a really good relationship mm. with them. And it wasn't just in the procurement stage when people are wanting you to buy their product. It's been ongoing ever since. Um, so, for example, in when we ran the sort of pilot, we had a sort of small-scale study, the very the, the implementation, the very first year. Um, we signed the contracts in August, and that September we started just with a few courses on Blackspace just to try it out. Um, and there were some things that weren't quite as we expected. So, for example, the assessments didn't work uh, in the way we thought they were going to. Mm. Um, so we liaised and discussed this with Brightspace, and they were very, very responsive. I think they sent us something like a 34-page document in how they were going to respond to our um, concerns. Um, and then that all got figured out and sorted out. So by the time we went for full-scale implementation, all the things that we were concerned about mm. had been ironed out. But I think moving forward, um, we're, we're very pleased about about our relationship with Brightspace yeah. and we're sort of positive uh, for the future because new things keep happening. They very much listen to what their customers want mm. and, and the way that education is changing. Um, you know, so for example, this afternoon there's a, there's a webinar um, where they're taking out um, key people and asking for advice in terms of developing their products um, in the way that the, 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 you know, the higher education establishments want them to be done. Yeah. So I think moving forward, uh, we're looking forward to continuing our relationship with Brightspace mm. and continuing that teaching excellence that we're so proud of at the university. Mm. It's really important that it's a mutual partnership. That's the thing is that you guys push us forward. We kind of, you know, we can help you guys move in one direction, but actually it's incredibly handy for you to push us in the direction that you guys are going in as teachers and lecturers because you're the people going, actually, I want to do this. And so we have to go, okay, they want to do that. <laughs> we'll do that. So in terms of what next more broadly, does anyone have any thoughts on, on what this new daily system will mean for them and what they'd like to do next? And, um, and also what results they're looking for maybe from students in terms of how they're engaging, what things they would like to see uh, developed in terms of that engagement? So, um, so one of the things that we're really looking forward to developing in the future is the, the, the learning analytics side of right. space. Okay. So we've used them a little bit, we'll use a class progress on an individual module basis, you guys all do that, um, but there is a lot of statistics and, and data you can get out of Brightspace to really uh, change things for the future. And one of the big things is the predictive analytics, um, okay. but obviously you have to be running Brightspace two or three years for it to be able to spot patterns, so it spots patterns of a typical first student, a typical two, one student, and a typical student that may be withdrawn so it spots those patterns but until you've run a module a few years mm -hmm. it doesn't collect that data so I think one of the big things as an as institution is making better use of that data to spot you know potential retention issues um, and also to spot where we can push students up a little bit so if they're you know if they're getting a 2-1 are very close to a first, we can spot those students to, uh, to, to sort of help them move up to, uh, to a higher grade. So you might even yeah. be able to spot those in the early stages of their exactly. education and spot that they've maybe got potential yeah. if they could use so, it. Yeah, so from an institution that's the thing that we'd like to sort of work, work towards um, in the future. I don't know about on a module basis. I think from our point of view on a course perspective is mm. to now um, become more consistent in the level that individual modules are at. So okay. we've put a lot of effort into um, two modules in the first year, 
that's now moved to a third module in the first year, but to move that level of use of Brightspace throughout the degree programme. Mm. I think now, having used management accounting and, and accountants and organisations last year, the students have moved into year two and they're expecting that same level of use of Brightspace. Okay. And, it, and it's making, um, making this transformation throughout the degree programme. Following the students so that, through. Yeah, so yeah. that they've got that same level of use of Brightspace in, in more modules throughout the degree programme. It'll be interesting to see how that comes on as the students who are coming through Mm. All my modules are either final year or masters, so right. those students have started off on a, on a different PLE. Mm. So whether it has any impact as to whether they've come in starting on Brightspace and gone all the way through using that and become used to the type of interaction that we can now provide, rather than the old PLE being purely repository of mm. you know, this is sort of the, and the I suppose having your kind of institutional wide approach to it means you can have that standardized approach so students at all stages are getting something similar yeah. so that every stage of their education there's something recognizable for them to engage with yeah. so do you have any plans in terms of what you would like to do next with it are there any things that you'd like to try to there's, there's certainly some aspects of what i've been doing that i can roll out to some of my modules with larger numbers of students on okay we see the, the flipped classroom approach it's only works really well with with smaller groups, so up to maybe 30. But some of my classes I've got 150, so I'm trying to do it in, in that sort of case. And especially with the lower years, you can't necessarily expect the students to be taking responsibility for their own learning at that point. Okay. So it's it's applying the right sort of um, parts of it and the right facilities to the right areas. Mm. So what you've been doing in, in your, with your first years can be applied to most years, whereas a lot of what I've been doing really relies on the students to take responsibility, which yeah. by the latter years they should be doing. Mm. But, um, it, it but it just ensures that that ensures is, that, uh, yeah, yeah, that they're, they're learning the the important things for, for once they, they leave university at the right level at that point. Mm. So they're not having to have anything pushed onto them. They've, they've got to learn to learn by that point. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, I've just uh, had a quick check and plenty of people have been firing in some questions to us. So I thought now might be a good time to hand over to the people who really know what to ask, which is the viewers. So let's start off with, um, oh, this one's interestingly written. <laughs> Someone's asked about the portfolios and the formats of the portfolios. So, yeah. do, you mind, uh, do you mind elaborating a little bit yeah. in terms of the format of the portfolios? What information is going into the portfolio? Yeah. Why is it necessary? Why is it needed? And, and, and what information is going into it and how is it marked? So we, um, the, the students do the module, it's the first year module, accountants and organisations. Right. It's, an, it's a module that's introducing them and developing their employability skills. Okay. Sue mentioned that um, as a university, we put a lot of effort into developing employability skills mm. for students. So it's assessed by two parts of assessment, 40% of the modules of presentation, 60% is their e-portfolio. Mm. So they begin working throughout the whole of term two on um, putting together their portfolio. So we do work in tutorials, they do work outside of class developing evidence of their transferable skills. Okay. So things like writing research reports, mm -hmm. um, showing that they can use Excel, 
showing that they understand the requirements of the professional body, mm -hmm. how they felt doing the presentation. So they put all together lots of written documentation, lots of bits of presentations, um, evidence that they know how to use Excel. And the ePortfolio is really quite straightforward for them to use. They can just drag and drop their evidence from their Word files or their Excel files and they come as um, what Brightspace calls artifacts. So individual items so that they've got them all in an e-portfolio yeah. and then they can sort them so they can sort them into collections so that they've got all their excel work together they've got all the research report work together and then we ask them as part of the submission to produce what the e-portfolio calls a presentation okay and that enables them to put their name in the presentation they can put banners in, so they can put their own colour scheme to it. They can make it look like it. it's a professional, mm. personal portfolio that they could mm. take to an employer. So they can personalise it. They can put um, pages into it, so they can put certain information on one page, um, and, and then they can add extra pages to it. So it becomes more like a paper portfolio, but it's all there electronically. The students really liked putting that together. They're able to personalise it. It's not all just bits of paper in a folder. Mm -hmm. They're able to make it their portfolio. And the really good thing about it is once they've set it up and they're using it, they can then use it each year throughout. Yeah. And after graduation, they've got this portfolio of all their evidence of the transferable skills. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer just a portfolio that they put together for me for a piece of assessment. Mm -hmm. What, what I would like is that it's the beginnings of their evidence that they yeah. keep then that when they're looking for jobs in three or four years time, mm -hmm. they've got the evidence of how they've developed those skills. Yeah. Just ensures nothing goes missing, nothing yes. is lost yeah. along the way. And I have another question here, which is, uh, you've all talked about using email reminders to engage with students that aren't using or logging into VLE's system. Do you find that emails work in getting responses from those students who aren't engaging with the BLE? So, I mean, who do you think is the best place? I mean, Sarah, do you fancy having a go at this one? Um, in terms of those email reminders, how effective do you think they are? And are there other ways in which you might be able to, to get that student to, to sit down and, and use Brightspace? And... Well, it's one of a number of ways. Okay. And with having a large cohort with, uh, say, uh, nearly 150 students, mm. It's one way that is very quick to be able to reach a number of students, but it also means it's just also gives me a list of everybody who's been communicating for that particular way. So it's a starting point, and then there's the opportunity okay. to follow up face to face as well. But students generally have access to technology with them. They are often checking their emails on their commute in and, in and out. Um, it's something that they are accessing on a regular basis, so mm. it does work pretty well to, to do that. And because it has a personalization feature as well, and it says that you're sending it to the student, they, they feel that they're being... They're like, oh, so yes, it's, it's been there, <laughs> and they know that it's being watched, and yeah. we are able to see how they are doing. So it's, it's one of the ways that we we can contact them. Yeah. So intelligent agents are essentially yeah. automated emails mm -hmm. that uh, are sent on a criteria. So okay. uh, in your example, it could be that they're not logging in for two weeks yeah. or they haven't done a quiz. And um, it is personal as in like, you guys are all writing the emails mm -hmm. and, um, it, and it seemingly comes from them, but only when the student fulfills the criteria. But it just gives the option for the student to reply and for them to know that someone's watching without them to actively emailing personally 150 mm -hmm. students yeah. 
Um, and obviously the reports are there for you to be able to see, yeah. oh, okay, there's only only 12 people this week haven't yeah. logged in for two weeks yeah. or something like that. And they can email and, and reply to that yeah. yeah. So if there's any yeah. extenuating circumstances, yes. yeah. all those messages can be come yeah. out. Yes, and also you can stop things going if you're aware of reasons as well. So that exactly, you know, if, if something was going to trigger an email and you know actually the reason why something's not happening, you can also take that action as well. I think the intelligent agents are so good that the email looks like it's come from our email address and it's got their name on, so they don't know that it's just been triggered by the system. Mm. They, they think that we're contacting them because yeah. we know they've not been engaging. Yeah. And I think that's the bit that's really important. I'm going to stay with you, Kay, because I've had <laughs> portfolio <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, there's, there's, it's, it's, yeah. Portfolio question update, colon. Sorry, what I meant was, the question was, how do students take their evidence away? How can they transfer it with them as they go into the career and, and the workplace? <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, the ePortfolio actually sits on one, a server that D2L hosts and essentially what that means is that even after a student has left a university, they still have access to their own ePortfolio. Mm -hmm. They can also share it um, at any point actually with um, external people, which is really, really useful. So if they are applying for jobs and they've got this huge amount of evidence that they've built up over years, they can send it out to an employer to say like, look, I've done this, this is like the evidence of my skills. But they can take it with them after they leave because um, it's a core belief of D2L that if we support lifelong learning and things yeah. like skills development is really important to be able to be exportable and be able to take with you. Right, well, hopefully we've gotten that one <laughs> sorted, but I might get another one in, in a minute. That's all right. Um, I said, ah, this is a really interesting question, actually. Um, you mentioned at the beginning, Sue, that you have a lot of mature learners here. And this person asks, do you find that mature students um, resist some of the more innovative technological solutions that you've got here, for example, mm -hmm. using badges and things like that. Is there any, is there I, anything that you can offer in terms of? I don't think so. I think it's a bit of a myth that all older learners are don't want to do it and are, <laughs> are, are, are technophobes yeah. or something like that. I mean, we find that a lot of um, our younger students are very obeying and very good at with social media but still don't know how to use technology for teaching and learning purposes mm. um, and uh, I don't think we've got any evidence at all that the sort of more mature students are struggling at, at all with the technology um, you know we're very lucky that Brightspace is very intuitive things buttons do what they say they do um, <laughs> which, which is not always the case <laughs> um, and um, yeah, we, we, at the moment, I don't feel we've got any evidence that uh, that uh, mature students um, struggle with the technology. Not everybody likes the idea of awards. Um, some people feel it is a bit, um, you know, childish or whatever. But for those that have used them, they've had incredible success. I know of another, as well as you guys, that, uh, a person that uses it really successfully with quizzes, and they just issue a bronze, silver, or gold medal depending on quiz results. Don't make any mention of it. You just get this award if you if you pass and, and not. If you don't um, and he finds that straight away people if they get a bronze medal they suddenly think well I want a gold or mm. a silver so even though they pretend they're not interested in awards they're not happy with the bronze and I found the same um, we've created a module for training people and that gives people you know an award achievement if they 
do all the videos and then pass a quiz on the, on the end of each topic. Um, and you'd be surprised how many lecturers show me their awards. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I'd be really proud of them. <laughs> um, so although people think that it's, you know, it might be something that people don't like. Actually, everybody likes getting a, a pat on the back. <laughs> and saying you've done well, and that's all yeah. the awards are. So, so uh, yeah, we don't have any evidence. Obviously, all learners may not use, be able to use technology for teaching and learning, and you do have to take that into consideration mm. when you're using any tool, you need to supply the students with um, details and information on how to use it. But I don't think there is any sort of divide that we've noticed mm. that's uh, an H1. Um, I actually have an issue, a uh, question on that uh, sort of topic, which is, have you found any issues regarding students' ability to access uh, laptops, reliable Wi-Fi? Um, they, they say, I'm thinking particularly about students in rural areas with poor or no signal. I suppose that might be a question for, for you, Sophie, but if you've got any experience yeah. here... To be honest, I don't know of anybody that's that's reported those sorts of troubles. No. It used to be a few years ago that, you know, a lot of people could be on dial-up or really poor broadband um, with... But I think the, the state of Wi-Fi now is mm. pretty good, isn't yeah. it? That, that actually, I don't know of anyone that's uh, reported that. I don't know if you've got anything to add so to that. We work with um, uh, a, uh, an agricultural college in South Africa where the Wi-Fi access, well, data is just incredibly expensive um, and access, widespread access to laptops is just not there. And they provide an agricultural course online, fully online, which sounds a bit like it's a weird idea. It's, it's really not. It's just a matter of kind of creating the course in ways that they don't have to have it all the time. And so they can pop into kind of Wi-Fi hotspot areas and do a little bit of stuff and then take it away, um, take some work away and kind of film them performing skills offline, pop back into a Wi-Fi hotspot at another point upload the evidence and then the people who do have the wi-fi and doing the feedback it's just it's the way that you actually structure the course around it obviously if you're giving people um a consistent amount of quizzes and quizzes and quizzes all the time they will need access um but it's not like that's all you do on the environment right there's more to it and a lot of it is going to be learning the stuff kind of and reflecting on your results and that doesn't require you being online yeah, and a lot of the documents can just easily be downloaded. So if you know that you're going to be in a spot where you haven't got Wi-Fi, you can download the documents to look at then. It's just things like quizzes that you wouldn't have access to. Yeah. Mm. And Pulse, the, um, yeah, our, our mobile, mobile app. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The mobile app Pulse, you can download and view uh, PDFs and MP4s and stuff offline okay. within the app. So that helps as well. Helps with that issue. Um, interesting one here. Has using Brightspace given you any interesting insights into the way students learn and the way they engage with your materials? So, I mean, obviously, I know you were saying some of people have been using quizzes 14 times. I've heard that people are logging in the middle of the night, maybe to yes. finish up their work and things. But have you had any interesting insights into maybe being able to look at some of the, the, the evidence in the numbers and being able to work out the sorts of way in which students are engaging with their materials and working out what might be working for that individual student? I've seen a lot of um, it, it facilitating different learning styles. Okay. Because I've, I've got some students who just love going away and just being able to watch the videos and, and read through things themselves. And then others, uh, they like the discussion sessions because it helps them to develop their understanding better. Um, so you, you get these different reactions from different students as to, some are quite happy just to use all the online stuff and, and never really necessarily contribute in the class. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas others are far more needy and need a lot more personal contact. Mm -hmm. uh, but because it frees up that time, 
then it allows you the time to actually do, do that, to yeah. develop that uh, more individual teaching type approach. Uh, those who don't need the help, they're fine. They've, they've got all the help they need. And those who do need the help, you've then got the time to be able to, to spend with them. And mm. um, I have another question here, which is, I would like to ask the panelists to share their experience of flipped classroom learning through VLE. What works best for activating it with students? And this person very nicely added, thank you. It's still experimental to a certain extent. And, um, I find the bit that, that works best is, as I've just been saying, about the, uh, the ability to allow the students to learn in the way that suits them. Right. It gives them that flexibility. So you know, if, if, if they want to watch all the, uh, all the videos or the, uh, read some of the papers whilst they're coming in on the bus, they can do that. Mm -hmm. um, they know because of the, uh, the way it's structured, they know what's expected of them. Mm -hmm. they, they follow through the, the guided questions and that, that leads them through what, what is expected for them to know. And then we can further discuss that and, uh, mm -hmm. and develop that understanding in, in the sessions. So it, it really is that, that giving you more flexibility mm -hmm. uh, to allow them to learn how they want to. How do you talk about flipped classroom with your, so bearing in mind that you changed the whole approach, how do you actually, how did you talk to your students about the change, the I change actually, in approach? Um, the first topic of the semester that we teach this class in is all about flipped classroom, peer learning, how the VLE works, how it's all structured. So the, okay. essentially the first topic within the, the whole module is nothing to do with the actual subject matter. It's about how we're going to learn. Yeah. And that leads them into it in a nice, straightforward fashion. So they can't say, oh, well, I don't know about this. I don't know how it's going to work. Because we've not only been through, in principle, how it's going to work, um, but there is the set of guided reading notes that sort of, you know, where do they find my office? How, what time are the tutorials? Uh, how do they log into Brightspace to access all this? Mm. Those sort of questions as, as essentially a, a dry run for everything else that they're going to do. Mm. So they go through the whole process, including the, um, the survey and the, the, the end of session quiz mm. uh, on something that doesn't matter, mm. uh, but they get a full dry run of the whole system yeah. to, to figure out how we're going to actually do this before we actually get into the, the subject matter. Yeah. So do you think that's the motivating factor that it kind of helps A, ease them into flipped classroom and B, them understanding kind of how it's going to work and what they require yeah. to do and how that could actually help them? Do you reckon that's the motivating mm -hmm. factor? Yeah, they, they could see that oh, this is actually a lot easier than sitting there in lectures and having to take <laughs> notes and having an exam at the end. And by, by the time they've been through it, they, they've got over those nerves of, oh, this is totally different to anything I've ever done before. And they actually see it's quite exciting rather than this is different. So, yeah. And well, I'm really sorry to have to cut it there, but I've had a note through saying we must stop now. <laughs> so um, everyone shush. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you to Sophie. Thank you to John. Thank you to Sue and to Kay and to Sarah. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you.